Will Utah's offense be more explosive in 2023 than it was in 2022? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, I want to thank all of you who continue to subscribe and support our show. We're at 930 subscribers, so continue to turn closer and closer to that 1,000 subscriber goal. Appreciate your guys' support. You guys can follow the show at Locked On Utes on Twitter, or you can follow my personal handle at JT Wistersill on Twitter. My name is JT Wister, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. On today's show, we're talking about the explosiveness of the Utah offense. There was a lot of questions about it last offseason going into fall camp. There was a lot of excitement of what this offense could be we could we saw glimpses of it so now we look forward to the future we want to know if it's going to be even more explosive this year and in order to help us answer that question it's friend of the show and you zone contributor dante guardi and dante i think this offense will be more explosive in 2023 and i think the reason i say that is now the one thing i'll say that gives me a little trepidation when i say that is just cam's overall health and everything like yes we are optimistic he'll be back in time for the first game but he'll be cute he's coming off rehab not practice time so there's all of that that's the only thing that gives me pause but in terms of the weapons, I mean, we look at the main pass catchers last year, and yes, Dalton's gone. A guy named Brant Keithy coming in, he's he's pretty good getting him back and healthy and up to speed. Devon coming back, he was his team's number one receiver. He's going to be that guy again, we know. Money Parks really emerged late in the season. We know he's still going to be there and be a huge contributor. And then the guy, Emory Simmons, who's coming over, he had 400 yards for Indiana last year, too. So I think that you get – and Thomas Yasmin coming back, too. So you still have a lethal tight end punch. You replace your biggest loss in the pass catching department, that being Dalton Kincaid gone, swap him out with Frank Keithy, as we said. And then you look at the receivers on the outside, Devon back another year. I expect him to be better. I expect Money Parks to be better. And Makai Cope is still a guy I think that's going to come out and make a few more plays, even. And Emory Simmons. And there's even some fun young guys we'll talk about kind of in the next segment that we think could add some things too. But I think this offense is definitely going to be more explosive in 2023. Yeah, I think uh, Makai Cope's a player that's really interesting to look at. Um, I'm not exactly sure what his actual target share was, but it felt like when he was actually getting the snaps, like he was kind of demanding the ball and Cam was giving him um, a good amount of opportunities. Like that UCLA game, I think he had a few targets there and uh, converted a couple of first downs for Utah. That kind of kept them in the game, obviously didn't end up winning, but he definitely did his part and showed off um, some good some good traits early on. And as far as the rest of the weapons go, I mean, the sky's the limit. You know, I mean, we've seen what Brant's been able to do in this offense since 2018. You know, he's been a, a factor year in and year out churning out yards, yards after the catch, doing everything that Andy Lovett wants him to do. And he has a really good rapport with Cam Rising. Obviously, we saw what they did in 2021. He was uh, the leading receiver on the team, had a beautiful beautiful uh, catch against Oregon, that one when he ran over two guys, big momentum-changing play. So, I mean, this is a guy that's made so many plays for Utah throughout the course of his career, and getting him back for another year is just so 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 spectacular. And then, obviously, Cam, you know the injury is going to be a problem maybe more towards the early parts of the year. But I think once he gets right, I mean, this offense is going to be so tough to stop. So many, so many weapons. And the familiarity, too. Obviously, getting Andy Ludwig back is huge as well. And just the overall familiarity, like I said, you know, Cam's played with, uh, played with, played with Brent before. Cam's played with Devon before. Cam has run an Andy Ludwig offense before. You know, the familiar, familiarity is all there. And there really is no reason for Utah to regress offensively. And you also look at Zip Simmons. He had 400 yards at Indiana last year. Yeah. Indiana had, like – the worst quarterback situation in the Power Five, arguably the worst quarterback situation in the Power Five. They were switching guys out week in, week out. Utah's former third stringer, we all know Jack Tuttle, he was throwing him the football a little bit. So, I mean, they were just all over the place. So, I mean, you can only expect that 400-yard number to go up. And like you said, Money Parks had that big touchdown against USC, had a 
plethora of other big moments throughout the year, just big momentum changing plays. And you got to expect that he's going to kind of work on his game and just become a more all around receiver in order to just get more targets and add more to this offense, which already has so many great weapons and so much potential to it. Yeah. The longer you work with a group of people, you're going to become better at what you do. Any team that spends more time together is going to get better. They'll grow their chemistry, all of those things. And that's what makes this team so great is we know it's, and it's why keeping Andy Ludwig was so crucial. The relationship he has with Cam rising, something you were touching on to the familiarity he has there. Um, we are, you talked about too, Brant Keithy, just the numbers he's put up. I remember going into last season, I predicted Dalton to lead this team in receiving yards. Almost as soon as the first game was wrapping up, I'm like, yeah, it's going to be Brant Keithy again because he was absolutely shredding of SEC defense. And it just looked like he was in for another monster season. And of course, it came to an end because of an injury. But man, just that was an, an unbelievable game from Brant. So I, I can't even tell you how excited I am to see him back on the field. I'm so happy Devon came back. I know he felt like the NFL was calling him, it felt like just because of his age. But I think if he can ball out, Look, there are going to be teams that, look, with his age, he's not going to be a first-round pick. He's probably not going to be a day-two guy. But when you get to day three and four, if you can make those strides, there are going to be teams being like, well, we're trying to make a run and win a Super Bowl in these next couple of years. We feel like we're ready to win now. If they feel like Devon gives them the best chance to do that, they will take him, and he has a better chance of growing himself into that player, coming back and spending another season with this offense, too. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, too, because Utah lost some guys on receiver at the outside, as we know, um, Solomon Enos, but he, he wasn't really a factor in the passing game. He only had 108 receiving yards overall in the season. I think he was a very important important leader in the locker room. I think we brought from a blocking standpoint on the outside too is very important setting that tone. Got to block if you want to get the rock. Everyone always says, right. And then if you also look at a guy too, in Jalen Dixon, I think he was important, but once again, like money parks, Emory Simmons, like all these guys back, I just, I feel like we'll be able to replace them. And yeah, Cam's health is the thing that's up in the air really, but you got to feel good about the weapons Utah has on the outside and the guy getting on the ball. Yeah. You know, we saw Solomon in his play for Utah for four years, really high recruiting. Mm-hmm are kind of plateaued after that first year kind of set the tone early had a couple of nice catches and then kind of just plateaued and not not, didn't really add a whole lot to the offense especially this past season like you said only 108 yards and we're getting zip Simmons now who had 400 yards on one of the worst offenses in the entire nation so that is really encouraging for Utah you know zip Simmons has crazy athleticism great speed he's got burners he's a big play waiting to happen I think he's going to slot more into that Jalen Dixon role um kind of kind of more like a Jalen Dixon than a Solomon Enos, but I do think that his product, his production might be better than Jalen Dixon. I think it'll for sure be better than Solomon Enos, but Jalen Dixon, he was kind of a, not, I wouldn't say a staple on Utah's offense, but like he was around for a long time, really mastered the system and they kind of knew when to get him the ball. They kind of knew what his strengths were and played to that very well. And I think we're going to see something very similar with Zip Simmons because I don't think he'll be like an alpha in this offense. Whereas yeah. Brant Keithy and Devon Vele, obviously two guys that have been starting for a couple of years now, guys that have made big plays over the course of their Utah career. There's no reason to not get them the ball more than they already are, you know? So with Zip Simmons, I think he's going to slot kind of right into that Jalen Dixon role and really, really find success there because at Indiana, like we're saying, 400 yards on that offense, that wasn't very good. That's a, that's a lot of their yards. Like that's a big proportion of the yards, um, more, a bigger proportion than any other player in the nation probably had with 400 receiving yards, that sort of thing. And um, I think this year we're going to see him kind of eclipse that number maybe by a little bit, but like not just completely overshoot just because of how many, how many awesome weapons there are on this offense that Cam Rising can, can, uh, can utilize. It's crazy too. Cause you look at last season, we were obviously so excited about what this Utah offense could do, but with the way the injuries shook out and, Honestly, him having to build, look, not this offense, not having Britton Covey was something I think Cam definitely missed. We know how much he trusted him. Like Devon was a part of the offense, but there wasn't the same level of chemistry. Like you look at obviously the great rapport with Brant, 
the way him and Devon are able to operate. And they're on the same page too. the way his chemistry with money built over the course of the season. We already talked about, it. he definitely likes Makai because when he's on the field, he likes to target him for sure too. So Dante, I'll ask you this because so cam threw for 3000, just over 3000 yards last season. He could miss some time because of injury to start the season. We don't know there too. I think, Oh, I'm going to ask you in a second. If you, if you think he'll go over those 3000 yards that he had last season, I think for myself personally, I'm going to say, he just goes over it. I'm going to say, yeah, he, I'm nervous saying that because man, the injury and everything being up in the air, but I want to, I look, I don't like to doubt this team. They've proven time and time again for the past two seasons. All I've talked about is, Hey, Oh, they beat a good team. Once it's hard to beat a good team twice. They do that. They continue to find ways when you count them out, literally recorded a post game video about how talking about, yep, there's no chance at the Pac 12 championship anymore just for Oregon to basically choke. Like I've never seen before against Oregon state. And then they find themselves in there. So I don't, I'm not in the business of doubting Kyle Whittingham and Cam rising. I'm going to say they find a way, and this and he will throw for more than 3,000 yards this coming season. I'm going to have to wait and see to answer that question and see how long he's out for. But I'm going to say on a yard. I, I put to, myself on the line. You gave the more political answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a little conservative with this. But I'm going to say that on a yards per play or on a yards per game basis, passing yards per game, he will be better in that by that standpoint than he was last season. I'm going to say that because you look at the schedule this year, like a lot of these games are going to be very high scoring. You have to go to USC – to Washington is hopefully going to be playing the Pac-12 championship game and has Oregon at home. Obviously, the Oregon game last year was not high scoring whatsoever, but that was still an offense that's putting up over 500 yards of total yeah. offense per game. Like that was just a, that was an anomaly for Oregon's offense. It was high game. scoring the last Oregon. time Oregon came to Rice. Yeah, exactly. All right. Oh, there you. <laughs> Odds are though that game will be a lot high scoring than uh, than the last two were, or the last three were for Oregon. Um, but I, I'm going to say there's going to be a lot of high scoring games, a lot of chances for yeah. Cam Rising to just rack up yards uh, through the air. And I like we've touched on, man, these weapons are crazy good. So, I mean, there's no reason for him to not go over. I mean, the only one being the injury. And if, if he does miss three or four games, I do think that the 3,000 yard mark is a little bit sketchy. But I mean, on a, on a yards per game basis, passing yards per game, like it would not shock me if he's up in like the 270 range or something like that, just yeah. because. Utah's schedule is very competitive. A lot of these games are going to be very close, very high scoring. Um, and I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities, a lot more opportunities for Utah to be playing in close games, games where Cam Rising is going to need mm -hmm. to beat them with his arm. Whereas you look at games over the past two seasons, I mean, Stanford both times, like Cam Rising had to do absolutely like nothing. Tavion Thomas did yeah. all the work for Utah's offense. You know, yeah. I don't think there's going to be as many games like that this year as there have been in years past. And because of that, Cam Rising is going to have to be throwing the football a lot more. And with these weapons, I think he's going to find a lot of success doing it. And on a yards per game basis, he will definitely outpace what he did last season. Yeah, and I, I love the point you made, too, talking about how, look, maybe because of injuries or other opportunities, maybe he won't, in terms of off-the-field stuff, because of those injuries being the, the main thing we're talking about here, he won't be able to eclipse that number, but his per-game yardage absolutely should in terms of average. I think it's a great point, and yeah, it's definitely setting up this Utah offense to be explosive, and one thing that could make this Utah offense really explosive is the young players that we just talked about, all the veterans, the guys who did a couple things last year. There's a couple of young, exciting recruits, and not just a 2023 class, but looking back to that 2022 class, I mean, we're all... Look, the 2023 class is outstanding, but we're all quick to forget how great that 2022 class should be as well. So there's some guys there we're going to talk about how they could help make this offense more explosive in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, and you got to try a Built Bar. My New Year's resolution was to eat a little healthier, and I'm still trying to keep that up. And something that's helping me keep that going is a Built Bar. Built Bars, they're actually healthy and tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. They're perfect for your resolution if you're still trying to keep it going, or if you're just looking to now jump in and try to lose a little shed a little bit of pounds what makes built bar so good well for starters they're covered in 100 real chocolate that's right real chocolate and they come in unbelievably great flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and coconut almond i'm not sure how built does it but these bars 
taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better, they're healthy, only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've talked about going to built.com and then you have to wait, but you can listen to this podcast literally on your way over to your Smith's or Sam's Club and pick up a box today. That's right. Head to your nearest Smith's or Sam's Club today and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, coconut puffs, salted caramel, and brownie batter puffs at your nearest Smith's. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You guys can thank me later. Make sure you head over to your local Smith's, Sam's Club, or you can still go to Built.com to get in on these great deals. Also, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at UCCU. Let UCCU make your family's dreams of owning a home come true by making it more affordable. Right now, UCCU is offering a low 7- and 10-year arms with rate inflation protection and adjustable rate mortgage, or ARM for short, comes with an initial low rate for 7 or 10 years. After that, it adjusts to a rate that fluctuates based on the market. The big advantage of an ARM is that it comes with an initial rate that's lower than a conventional mortgage. With the lower rate, an ARM gives you more purchase power than a traditional mortgage. In fact, you get up to 10% more house with an adjustable rate mortgage of the same payment as a conventional loan. Plus, an adjustable rate mortgage can make qualifying for a mortgage loan easier for first-time home buyers. To learn more, get an arms or get an arm. Simply visit uccu.com and select the arm that works best for you. Or stop by any UCCU branch. UCCU, love where you bank. All right, Dante, taking a look at this. We just talked about this Utah offense has a ton of playmakers that we're really excited about. And uh, about this time last year, we were talking about how money parks could be involved, what Makai Cope could maybe do. And look, maybe Makai didn't do as much as I think I projected Makai to do a little bit more money. Definitely outperformed what I um, projected, or even if he did in terms of stats, just like the plays against USC, that was just something that was so great to watch him go out there and make. There's always surprises on this offense that come up and we're like, oh, hey, look at him. It's like Thomas Yasmin having the season he just had too, where it's like, we were really excited about what he can do at the tight end spot. And I think, look, Mikey Matthews is getting a lot of love. We'll talk about him in a second. But I think a lot of people are forgetting about a guy like Teo Johnson. He is a guy that's got really exciting speed. I think he can do a lot of things, too. And Sidney Mabinsor as well. I mean, he is just a monster on the outside. I apologize if I mispronounced his name. But um, he is, man. I mean, when you talk about the physical profile, 6'5", 200 at the tight end spot. I think he's a guy who he was a true freshman last year. He spent some time in the weight room. I think when he gets clicking on full cylinders, he's just going to be a nightmare to try and contain on the outside. So I definitely think there's a chance that as excited as I am about these other guys, I wouldn't be surprised if late in the season, these guys have been bought in working hard. They're in spring ball right now. They hear they're hearing us talk about the other guys first. And we know these guys want to see their teammates succeed, but Hey, this is football. They also want to get on the field and make plays. You work really hard at your craft for those opportunities. And I especially think Johnson and Mabasaur could get some in 2023. Yeah. You know, two kind of, uh, kind of like different, different pro profiles with those two, you know, Taylor Johnson, a little bit smaller, very shifty and Sydney and Bansor, obviously six foot five, 200 plus, like you said, crazy physical profile there. So, I mean, two complementing skill sets, I, I think is um, the word I was looking for a couple minutes ago, but um, regardless, I mean, these are two very exciting prospects. You know, I think this entire team just down the line, like all these guys are just getting better as, as the, as the, the years progress. And you look at the overall state of Utah football and the, I mean, the, the recruits are only going to keep on getting better and better. Like we saw this past year, a lot of people were worried about NIL possibly derailing Utah's recruiting. But I mean, as we saw this past cycle, it was quite the opposite and Utah was able to turn out the best class in, uh, in school history. But with Taylor Johnson, you know, he came from an area in Idaho that was a little bit under-recruited. So I do, do think that he was, he is a player that is still very undervalued by, by recruiting sources and stuff like that. Because I mean, like I said, the, the area that he played in just 
didn't have a lot of traction and he was by far the best player um, around there. And he, he balled out in high school. He showed off some really great traits. And I think he's going to do the same at Utah. You know, he's got a really good attitude. Um, I, I've seen him on Twitter reaching out to fans, just being really happy to happy to be a Ute. And I think that he's a player that can come on and just work really hard and, and get some playing time by the end of the year. And obviously sitting in bands where, like you said, maybe a red zone threat, like you said, that six foot five, 200 plus frame is, is lethal down in the red zone. And that would just give Camerizing another weapon to utilize and, and add another dimension to this, to this already prolific offense. And you also look at Mikey Matthews, you know, obviously from this past class, he burned Cormani McLean in the all American game, had a really good week at all American camp, just, positive words left and right. It's like every day there was a new thing about Mikey Matthews showing somebody up or just having a tremendous day of practice. So he's going to be one that's really fun to look out for. And he's from my area, Orange County. So I've kind of known who he was for a while because he played for Mission Viejo, which was one of the bigger bigger football uh, schools down in Orange County. They're always really good in the playoffs. And Mikey Matthews was was, was one of the best players on that team, was one of the best players um, at Mission Viejo over the past few years. And they've had some very good players come through that school. So Mikey Matthews is definitely a player to look, look, watch out for. I wouldn't be shocked to see him get playing time towards the end of the year as well. I mean, so many different weapons on this team. And it's going to be interesting to see who does emerge, you know, because it could yeah. be it could be Teo Johnson. It could be Sidney and Vance or it could be somebody else that we're not even talking about, you know. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see who emerges. And I think it's kind of able to have kind of that money parks essence to them in terms of just making big plays. And it's just like teams lose track of this guy and he'll make you pay. Like we saw money parks do a plethora of times over the course of last season, USC, knows him better than anyone else in the conference pretty much. Yeah. And there's some other teams that don't even know he probably exists, you know, which is crazy when you look at it like that, but that's just how it goes when you're young, you know, you go in there and you try to make as many big plays as you can and, and build off that money parts of the tremendous job of doing that last year. And it's going to be exciting to see who can do it this year. I wouldn't be surprised at all either. If when we first get our chance to talk, talk to the coaches um, come spring ball, if any of these guys are the standout, I've definitely, Not at all. I'd, I'd almost be surprised if Mikey Matthews and like, if we're just keeping it on the 2023 class, Spencer Fado, I'm, I'd almost be surprised if their names didn't. They'll be asked about them specifically. I'd almost be surprised if it's just like, oh, who stands out? Well, I can just already see Coach Witt doing his coach talk. Like Mikey Matthews guy, really explosive, like just talking positively about him. And then Teo and Sydney as well talk about guys who've just bought into the system. And like we talked about what Brant Keithy's accomplished and how excited we are. There's no question of who has a higher physical ceiling or who's a better athlete in terms of like 40 speed and all those kind of things too. When he gets to his ceiling and his potential, it should be Sydney. Now, is he going to be able to do the little things that Brandt does? Is going to be able to master his crap, run routes as well, be able to get open, plant his foot in the ground, come up with the big catches and the big moments? Those are the things we don't know. But there's a reason Sydney was a higher recruit than Brant was. Now it's about putting all that stuff together. Thankfully, he's got a pretty good tight end coach and Coach Witt to Whittingham Jr. to help him figure all that out. So I'm really excited for what this group can do too. And I definitely think look, these guys are going to be the players we see trotting out there against the Weber State. So they're going to get some game reps late in those games too. But it'd be a lot of fun if late in the season they were pitching and making some uh, some big catches too. So either way, this Utah receiver room feels like it's in a nice spot. And uh, I tell you what, looking forward to the future too. Like just even when like Cam and a lot of these guys go, like if you're telling me next season, more at this time next year, we're talking about, look, maybe Money or Mackay are still back too in the fold and they're still doing their thing. I'm obviously Devon's not going to be Emory will be gone. But if you're talking about we get Nate Johnson, Teo Johnson, Sidney Mabasaur, Mikey Matthews, I'm really excited about that speed and that athleticism on the outside. And I think Andy Ludwig would be pretty excited about that too. Yeah, most definitely. I was literally thinking speed kills as you were, yeah. as you were reading <laughs> off those names. So speed speed would definitely kill an offense. We all saw what Nate Johnson did um, during the limited opportunities he got this year. And we all know about the profiles of Mikey Matthews and some of these other guys that we were just talking about. I mean, the the potential for the offense going forward is just through the roof. And like yes. I said, man, with I mean, with the years going by, the recruiting is just going to keep on getting better and better and better. And I don't think Utah's given us a reason 
to to think any way otherwise. You know, we've seen it since Utah's joined the Pac-12, just slowly but surely rising the ranks of the recruiting. And now we're in the top 20, which is just crazy to think about. And it's awesome to think about because you look at how well Utah was able to perform with recruiting classes in the 30 to the 40 range, things like that. And now they're finally up with the rest of the elites, the guys that they've been kind of competing with despite not even being in their world in recruiting. So, I mean, this offense for years to come is going to be prolific. And as long as Andy Ludwig can stay, as long as Witt can just keep doing what he's doing, I mean, the sky's the limit. And there's so many great players, so many great weapons. And I think that another underrated aspect to kind of look at is how much the younger guys are, are going to be mentored by the older guys. You know, Brett, yes. he's been at Utah since 2018. He knows the ins and outs of this program. He knows what it takes to succeed in this program. And he wants the program to be to get better. If he, if he wasn't he wouldn't be coming back for another year if he didn't want the program to get better. So, I mean, he's going to take it to him to make sure these young guys are well-prepared for the future. Everyone is going to do that, not just Brent alone. Cam's going to do it. I mean, all the leaders in that room are going to make sure that Utah is in safe hands going forward. And I think that there's not really a, a reason to look at the future of this football team and say, yeah, they're going to be, they're going to be falling off. You know, I think the sky's the limit and just slowly, but surely keep on climbing. And then I think the only thing that could kind of stop them at this point is, is uh, the Pac-12 conference, like the higher ups on their own. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what they can go out and accomplish. We're going to talk about what this Utah men's basketball team can accomplish for the rest of the season because it feels like expectations and kind of the ceiling has been lowered a little bit, unlike it has for those talented Utah receivers we just got done talking about. But we're going to touch on that in a moment. First, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more effectively by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools that go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to post to put your job up and post it in front of the most qualified candidates. You can identify the most qualified candidates all for free and connect them fast on LinkedIn jobs. All those member profiles, there are so many workers out there ready to work. I know I use it to network and interact with some of my friends too. You can keep tabs on them, see what they're doing. LinkedIn jobs is a great site and there are tons of talented and people ready to get to work for your company today. LinkedIn jobs also make it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your, their job qualifications all on one platform. These reasons and many more are all why LinkedIn Jobs is rated number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That's LinkedIn.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. So, Dante, looking at the Utah men's basketball team, things have took, took a tumble a little bit for this Utah team over their last six games. They're two and four overall, but... Look, they're entering a tougher part of their schedule overall on the season. It was great to get a win against Colorado, but, I mean, we knew it was kind of going to be against Arizona, right? We got them once. I don't think the players were very happy with that, obviously, and uh, there was a lot of comments and things made about the Stoviak thing. I think that was a lot of Weird comment, by the way. Really odd comment. Yeah, that was weird. You know, hey, you know, we saw with Georgia, though, the way some programs use propaganda to find ways to motivate themselves and all kind of things like that. Yeah. So obviously it worked, too. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Fun, I guess. So, yeah, Arizona took us to the woodshed. And then, yeah, tough loss against Arizona State. And the toughest loss, though, wasn't just on the court the score. It was losing Raleigh Wooster, too. This is the point in the season where the injuries just really starting to pile up for this team. You know, Gabe Madsen, of course, not hasn't been out there as of late. Losing Raleigh, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. We should get some clarification on that soon. But just a really tough time for this Utah basketball program right now to have these injuries kind of starting to pile up. And look, they've been a top – I think they're five right now. They were four. They were even higher for a lot of the season. But with the way the schedule worked out, they were lucky to avoid the Arizona schools overall. This is the second time they had to play Arizona, but this is their first matchup with Arizona State. They've only had to – UCLA and USC, this is the second time they're going to play them this week, so late in the season. So 
yeah, their record's going to get hurt a little bit. Look, maybe they can, hopefully they steal the USC game. Good asking a lot to beat UCLA at home. Um, we'll see if they can do it, but either way, I just, I think we all forget because we got excited about the potential of an NCAA tournament bid, which is something we haven't seen obviously in a couple of years now, we all forgot that like, Hey, this is a team that won 11 games last year. Hey, they only won one game in January. Like this is still like a really successful step up in the right direction for this program. And it shows when coach Smith gets his guys in there and gets them in the system to what they're capable of doing. And I'm still really excited about the future of Utah basketball, which I think has been lost on a lot of people just because like, Hey, at first we weren't talking about NIT at first, but I think if at the start of the year you were talking about hosting NIT games, I think people would have been really excited by that proposition just because of where we were last season. But it's hard whenever you get in the middle of the season, you beat a team like Arizona at home, a top five team on your own court. Like then it becomes, oh, the expectation shoot up high. But like we shouldn't get lost that like I think if a lot of people told us this season for Utah basketball, like how it would shape out. Like we would all be like, yeah, that's awesome. It's still really great. That's just like with Utah football. Everyone was bummed out because look, we had a couple of tough losses at the end of the day, we were still packed 12 champs, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I think we're going to go back to Gabe's injury and how that kind of just impacted the trajectory of the season. I think mm-hmm. you look at the Stanford game, obviously Utah losing to Stanford at home was a loss that nobody really expected, especially given Utah had already beaten them at the farm or I mean at Stanford earlier this year. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, things were looking really good up to that point, And then like, you lose your best three-point shooter, and then Stanford, who's one of the least inefficient offenses in the Pac-12, or maybe even the worst, like just based off the eye test. I'm not sure what the actual numbers are, but like that team is not good. And they were shooting lights out against Utah in a game where they needed their best three-point shooter, and Gabe Madsen obviously just was hurt, and that was kind of the first one where I was kind of like, dang, these injuries are really piling up. And now obviously with Raleigh too, I mean, just, just kind of a tough scene at the end of the year, kind of like – just the worst possible thing to happen at the worst possible time. And I think Utah fans were already kind of dreading this part of the schedule, kind of looking ahead and seeing at Arizona, at ASU, USC, UCLA, and then at Colorado, which obviously Colorado is not on the level of those other teams, but like at Colorado, that's not an easy place to win. You know, Oregon up until I think two years ago, hadn't won a game in Colorado on basketball, basketball game, Colorado and the entirety of the program. So, I mean, teams don't, win a lot of basketball games at Colorado and regardless of how good or bad the team is still a tough place to play. Um, it would be great. It would be great if Utah was able to win that game and the USC game and the season two and two, I think that would kind of kind of lock up an NIT, NIT bid or in the, in the season or yeah, two and one, actually, I'll be yeah. nice. Yeah. Two and one would be really nice. And I think at that point, an NIT bid would kind of be locked up and then you got to look at the PAC 12 tournament. I have an interesting question, actually, would you rather see Utah be the five or six seed or the three or four seed in the tournament? Because I think I'd rather see him as the five or six seed to pick up an extra win to add to the resume. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, being the three, I mean, but if you get up to three, that's definitely as it feels like you're in a nice position to add that early on. Yeah. So you said that a couple of years ago though, and lost to Oregon, who was the six. You're right. So you're right. That's that, after that happened, I was kind of like, yeah, just give us the six seed and get us, give us that extra win. And then maybe we'll get, I think it adds momentum too. You get that win it's on true. the first day. It adds momentum stuff like that. You've already played a game on a neutral court, whereas the other team hasn't. I don't know. I think you get a lot more benefits out of being the five or the six over the over the three or the four, especially this year in the Pac-12 when it's like yeah. you need a quality win. You know, I mean, even being like someone like that, I mean, you, you need a quality win. You need to get far in this tournament. You need to knock off a U, a Arizona or a UCLA if you're Utah and you want to get into the NCAA tournament. So I think you just need as many wins as possible, as many opportunities to just get a win and just show people what you're all about. Show the, I mean, all these games are televised, so I mean, people are going to be watching the Pac-12 tournament, and Utah could definitely make a make a splash of the Pac-12 tournament if they really do um, want to find their way make, making the making the big dance. You're right. I think in terms of getting that extra earlier, and that's where it might help to be five and six. But there's something still about just look getting the highest seed you can, yeah. like trusting, like hey, like if we 
you should, when you're the three seed, you're supposed to win, especially if we can get the guys healthy, but yeah, look, if those guys aren't healthy and back. Maybe that's where it would be better to be a lower seed and at least get one of those wins in as much as I hate to say it. I hate like wanting to be a lower seed, but dang it, Dante, yeah. you, you make good points. That's why we always <laughs> enjoy having you on here too. So it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season for Utah basketball plays out. If you guys want to get more of Dante's great work, you guys can follow him at Twitter. It's at Dante Guardi, or you can check him out on Ute Zone where he's constantly putting in contributions and writing about a few different stuff. Also, if you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, we recommend you check out the Locked On College Basketball podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where they get some of the biggest names, experts, insiders, and players and coaches in the college basketball landscape. So make sure you guys head over to the Locked On College Basketball podcast, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate Dante, as always, for joining us. That's going to do it for today's edition of the Locked On Utes, but we'll see you tomorrow.